Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. About 99% of the time on this show, we pick a passage of the Bible and just go through it. But today we're going to do something different. We're going to do a church history lesson. Have you ever heard the whole story of St. Patrick? It's quite the story. What I want to do for this half hour is tell you the story of St. Patrick and then share some lessons from his life for our lives. So would you just take a moment and bow with me as we pray? Father, we do want to pray that you will enthuse us as we look back through uh, many hundreds of years to this life that you used to convert a nation to Christ. God, uh, just inspire us now to also live our lives for Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Here is the story of St. Patrick. St. Patrick was born in England in 390 A.D., his father was a deacon in the church. His grandfather was a priest. Back then, priests could marry. When Patrick was 16 years old, he was kidnapped by Irish pirates and taken from England to Ireland. When he arrived, the pirates sold him in slavery, and Ireland at that time was ruled by what's called the Druids. It was a pagan religion. They waved magic wands. They worshipped the sun and the moon. They believed in leprechauns. And for the next six years, Patrick kept watch over his master's flocks. During this period, Patrick had a lot of alone time. He's 16 years old. He had no use for his parents' Christianity. He was not a, a believer in England, but alone on the hills of Ireland, he starts getting lonely for his parents and his parents' religion. And here is what he wrote later in his autobiography. The Lord opened my understanding during the lonely slavery years as a teenager. And he, the Lord basically said, though it was late, I still might remember my sins and turn to the Lord my God with all my heart. And God had regard to my low estate. He pitied my youth and ignorance. He kept guard over me even before I knew him. And he strengthened and comforted me as a father does his own son. My constant business was to keep the flocks, and I was in frequent prayer. The love and fear of God more and more inflamed my heart. I said a hundred prayers in the day and nearly as many at night. After these six years of slavery, Patrick has a dream that says, the boat by which you will escape is ready. Patrick ran away from his master. 200 miles he went to the seashore. He gets to the shore and hears a boat about to leave. He goes up and asks the sailors to come aboard. They said no. He went off and he prayed. And a sailor came back and said, we will take you. He sails back to England. 
it has been seven years since he has seen his parents. They receive him with such joy and say, never leave us again. Patrick receives an education. He spends 14 years in a monastery learning, but eventually he had another dream. And here's the dream. In the dream, I heard the voices of those Irish who dwelt by the wood of Folkloth, which is near to the Western Sea. And this is what they called out to me. Please, holy boy, come and walk among us again. Their cry pierced my heart, and then I awoke. Paul wrote, uh, Patrick wrote of that time, God was preparing me that I should have a care and anxiety for the salvation of others. After this, I did not think of myself. I left my country, my parents, and the many rewards that were promised to me, and with tears and weeping, I displeased my family. But I did not act contrary to my vow to God. God had overcome me, so I went to Ireland to pagans to preach the gospel. So at age 43, 20 years after he had escaped, Patrick returns to Ireland. He had some assistants with him. And first they formed a school, and from that school was their base of operations. Patrick's plan of converting Ireland was, Ireland was a separated country, many different kings in Ireland. His plan was to convert king by king, and then the people will follow. Largely, it was successful. Patrick evangelizes almost the entire island, but his life is constantly being threatened by the Druids, the pagan worshipers of, of gods. In fact, the Irish were supposed to sacrifice their firstborn child to the golden image of the Druids. In spite of the persecution, Patrick pressed on because there was one more place he wanted to go. He wanted to go to Miliuk, his old master from whom he had run away. He wanted to convert Miliuk to the Christian faith, but Miliuk will have nothing to do with Patrick. In fact, he does something strange. When Miliuk hears, hears that Patrick is coming, he puts all of his possessions in his wooden house, sets the house on fire, commits suicide inside. Years pass, and Patrick has been very successful, but Patrick's a humble man, and he takes no credit. Here's what he wrote later in life. This is written in Ireland by Patrick the Sinner, an unlearned man to be sure. None should ever say that it was my ignorance that accomplished any small thing, but judge ye and let it be most fully believed it was the gift of God, and this is my confession before I die. By the end of St. Patrick's life, after 34 years of being a missionary in Ireland, he had founded 300 churches and more than 120,000 Irish were baptized. He died at age 78 on March 17th, 461. And what do we celebrate on March 17th? St. Patrick's Day. And the life of St. Patrick is still having an effect. You know, most of Europe doesn't go to church anymore. The one nation where a lot of people still go to church is Ireland. And do you know at the moment, and pray because they're trying to change this, at the moment, Western Europe, abortion is legal. The one place it's not legal yet is Ireland. Will Durant, the famous historian, wrote these words of St. Patrick. When Patrick died, 
It could be said of him as of no other that one man had converted a nation. That is the life of St. Patrick. What I want to do for the rest of the sermon is just share with you five things I learned from St. Patrick for our lives. Number one, learn to say, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Do you know where that comes from? That's Genesis chapter 50. Joseph's brothers throw him down the well, sell him into slavery. He goes to Egypt and becomes rich. So now he can feed his family uh, uh, to save them from the famine. And, his bro- and he says to his brothers, you meant it for evil, what you did, but God meant it for good to save our family. Well, that's kind of the story of St. Patrick's life. Those pirates that kidnapped him meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to prepare a missionary to go back to the island and save the Irish. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Have you learned to say, maybe they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I mean, if if something horrible happens to you, let me encourage you a a great verse of the Bible. Romans 8.28. We know that God causes all things. doesn't say the nice things, happy things, fun things. We know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. So if you have a tragedy hit your life, claim Romans 8.28 and pray and say, God, I don't like this, but you promise Romans 8.28, you're going to use even that somehow for my good. St. Patrick saw that. I went to my college reunion, and there's one of our classmates who's done quite well. He's kind of famous in Christian circles. And he got up and told his story. He tragically lost two of his children. And then he said, I've learned two things in life. Number one, life is hard. Number two, God is good. I think that was St. Patrick. St. Patrick had a hard life, but nevertheless, through it all, God was good to him. I think that's a good balance. Remember, life is hard. God is good. You know, some Christians center so much on the fact that God is good that they forget there are people suffering in the world. But there are other people who are so into the suffering of life that they forget how good God is. St. Patrick teaches, yes, life is hard, but hang in there. God is good. There was a mine that collapsed in Wales. 200 men were killed underground. The bishop of the area was asked to come in and do the mass memorial service. And the story goes that he preached this sermon. It looks like God has made a mistake. Why did he let this happen? And then he said, in my Bible at home is a bookmark that my mother embroidered for me. If you look at that bookmark from the wrong side, It looks like a mistake, just a tangled mess of threads. But if you turn it around, you see beautifully embroidered the words, God is love. And he said to the people gathered, it looks like God has made a mistake here, but one day we will see all this from the other side and understand. God is good. Life is hard. God is good. Next thing I learned from St. Patrick... Forgive and even serve your enemies. 
You know what St. Patrick could have done? All right, God, I forgive what the Irish did to me, but don't ask me to go back. <laughs> well, not only did Patrick forgive his enemies, he went back and converted them. Do you know back in the year 1915, up to a million and a half Armenians were killed by the Ottoman Turks. But there's a story after that slaughter. A Christian woman who lost her family was seen going door to door sharing the gospel with the people who had killed her loved ones. Not only forgive your enemies, but pray and ask, God, is there something now you want me to do to bless them? That's what Patrick did. Another thing I learned from St. Patrick, be open to a career change. At age 43, God changed Patrick's career and sent him as a missionary to Ireland. Do you know how old Moses was when God told Moses, I'm going to send you to get the Egyptians out of, uh, the Israelites out of Egypt? He was 80 years old. So if you're 18 or 80, pray, be open to God. I want to do whatever you want me to do. If you want to change my career, I'm open to that. <laughs> the next thing I learned from St. Patrick, parents and grandparents, keep praying for your children. St. Patrick, at age 16, was not a believer. His parents were. And now that he's kidnapped to, to pagan, druid Ireland, maybe his parents were thinking, well, he'll never be saved now. And maybe little did they know, as he watched those flocks, he was getting lonely for the God of his parents. And that's when he got converted, far away from home. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, the best confirmation class I ever taught, all these 13-year-olds, was many years ago. But this class was real interested in things of the Lord. We had such great discussions. There was one 13-year-old by the name of Craig, just had a heart for God. And, you know, a lot of kids, after they get confirmed, they leave church, you never see them again. But I thought, no, Craig's going to stay with the Lord. Well, he gets into high school, he gets into cocaine, and I, through the years I would hear horrible things. All of a sudden, Craig's coming to church again, living for the Lord again. And I said to Craig, what brought you back? And Craig said to me, even when I was in my rebellion years, I felt God's hand was with me. But there was a day when I felt God take his hand away. And I got so lonely. And that's what brought me back to Christ. <laughs> you know, if you've got a son or a daughter or a grandson or granddaughter and they're far from Christ, pray, God, do a St. Patrick on them. Get them so lonely for you. Do whatever you have to to get them lonely and hungry for you. And last lesson. Never underestimate the influence of one life. God used one man, basically, to convert a nation. Never underestimate what little you or little me can do. Do you know that there's, Teddy Roosevelt said this, quote, praying mothers are America's greatest asset. <laughs> and you know, you know what I would encourage? If you really want something to happen, you know what you do? You call your church and say, do we have a prayer chain? Do we, do we have the old ladies? Is there a little uh, group of white-haired ladies that in our, uh, the church I serve sure had one, and when I wanted something done, I called the prayer chain. <laughs> you know, never underestimate 
even if you're 80 years old and can't get out of bed or, or, or whatever, never underestimate what God can do in your life to turn things around. All right, so here is what I've learned from St. Patrick. Number one, learn to say, Romans 8:28, they meant it for evil, but God's promising to use it for my good. Second thing I learned from St. Patrick is not just forgive your enemies, even do good to your enemies. Jesus said that in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Third thing I learned, be open to God changing your career, even if you're 80. Number four, parents and grandparents, keep praying for your children. And then number five, never underestimate what God can do in your little life and in my little life and in the life of a 16-year-old boy in England that got kidnapped to Ireland. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. This is the portion of the show that I'd like to invite you. If you have a question you'd like to have Pastor Brock answer or you want to have a scripture verse explained better, send it to the uh, website and we'll try to do it on another show. Can we go a little further here? What exactly is a saint? Mm -hmm. What, I mean, uh, saints are Catholic things you think all the yeah, time, but, but yet you hear St. <laughs> Peter, St. Paul. Yeah. And in the New Testament, any Christian is a saint. The word saint simply means holy one. And it, <clears throat> it's kind of a derivative, if I remember right, of the word sanctification. So let's talk. A, sanct, a saint is someone who's been sanctified. The word sanctification means to be set apart, to be made holy. So for instance, Jackie, if the priest during Old Testament times wanted to get a vessel to use in the temple, he'd go to the market and he'd buy a vessel, and then he'd take it to the temple and put it on the altar, and from then on, that vase was sanctified. It was only used for holy purposes. And when we say you're a saint, I'm a saint, it means God set us apart, he pulled us out of the world, put us apart for his holy purposes, which is why you have a Christian ministry, I have a Christian ministry, we are sanctified as saints. You don't have to die and be canonized by the church. Every true Christian is a saint. Okay, but the Catholic Church has named saints, yes. right? Yeah, they have, the Catholic Church has a process by which if, I think if you, they can verify somebody did a miracle, etc., then they are verified as a bona fide saint. In the New Testament, it, it, saint, it, Paul writes, to the saints at Colossae, to the saint that, as saints at Philippi, any Christian is a saint. Okay, that's interesting. Can God even use people's sins for his glory then? Yeah. I mean, it, when, when we say, Romans 8.28, God causes all things to work together for his good, does that mean I can sin all I want and God will use that for my good? <laughs> That's not what that means. Nevertheless, it is true, in a sense, God can use somebody's sin for his glory. Can you think of an example? Old Testament? Well, Pharaoh. Pharaoh. There you go. Pharaoh's, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Sorry, in fact, yeah. it says God hardened his heart so that God could do all these miracles in the face of the Egyptians and the Israelites. So Pharaoh's stubborn hard heart was used as an occasion for God to say, okay, Pharaoh, I'm going to show you who I am. And then God did the miracles. So yeah, God can even use sin to show forth his glory, 
That doesn't mean, of course, that he wants you to sin. But all men sin and fall short of the glory of That's God, right. right? That's for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, when the Catholic Church declares somebody a saint, that doesn't mean that they haven't been a sinner. No. Catholic, you know, we're, we're Lutherans, Jackie, but the Catholic Church agrees that saints were sinners, you know. The, the Catholic Church does not teach that saints were perfect by any means. Okay. Peter is a saint. <laughs> he wasn't perfect. Yeah. All right. So... How does a person know if God is calling them to change their career path? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That can be hard to discern. I mean, Jackie, I, I think of me, if I can say this. I went into filmmaking in college, and I did it for a year and a half, and I had a dream. And I'll, by other things, too, the Lord made it rather clear, I don't want you to be a filmmaker. And I struggled for about two years in prayer. Okay, what do you want me to be? And then I finally got a clear word from the Lord. Now, I won't go into how I got my word, but sometimes people just talk to you and you sense that's from God. Or, you know, a big way too, what are you good at? What, what has God gifted you at? That's probably where you're going to go for being used for the Lord the most. So just ask people, you know, what do you think I'm good at? That? What do you think my spiritual gifts are? So those, those are some ways. Okay. Um, you know, I guess... I was fortunate enough to grow up with very loving grandparents who loved the Lord and they served their church. And they founded Hope Lutheran Church. That's true. They, <laughs> well, they started it with a Sunday school because right. there wasn't a church. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. my grandmother, bless her heart, felt that the children in the neighborhood needed and to have a Sunday church school. Got started. So when the parents started bringing their kids, they then began fellowshipping together. And from that little group, they bought a little schoolhouse, and it became a church. Yeah, I remember that. So, so are you saying, like, you know, I mean, I've met some people who are decayed in their life as far as physically. Mm -hmm. Can a bedridden, bedridden person still serve the Lord? Yeah, as long as you can pray, you're serving the Lord. Okay. And I, again, Jackie... Uh, they tend to be white-haired ladies, but there are women I have gone to, uh, like, remember Fran from, from Hope Lutheran years ago, who's died and honored the Lord. When I really wanted something to happen, I'd call Fran. <laughs> Fran, would you pray for this? And Fran was arthritic and had problems, but, but my, I think the Lord listened to her prayers. So just don't underestimate the power you can have laying in a bed in pain, praying for the, for the Lord's work to come, you know? I can't remember who it was, but who is the person that always said, when I'm laying on my back and looking up, I see things more clearly? Yeah. And I think that... <laughs> there's, another, there's another saying, some people only look up when they're lying on their back. <laughs> that could be too. <laughs> okay. I just recently retired, and some people probably don't know that, but I guess... And how many years were you at that place, Jackie? 27 and a half yeah, years. That's a long time. In my last career, but I had other jobs prior to yeah. that, but mm -hmm. I did stay with one job for 27 and a half years. Yeah. Um, I did some other things mm -hmm. before that, though. Mm -hmm. um, so is there any advice on how people should serve God in retirement? Yeah. Now this is, I'm going to tell people this. Joel is our cameraman back there. Jackie is here. Jackie's husband, Fred, is in the control room with Carol, Joel's wife, who's putting our graphics up, and they're all, they're all retired. And 
if, if it wasn't for these people doing this, you wouldn't be seeing this show. And so I, what, the, the thing I want to urge is if you're retired, that means you have more free time. Now you can serve the Lord with your free time. And Jackie, if I could tell a story here. You've heard me, you've heard me tell this story. I was in the narthex of Bethlehem Baptist Church many years ago. John Piper was the preacher back then. And I'm talking to Pastor Piper. A member comes up and points to this elderly couple over in the corner. You see that couple over there? Yes. Well, do you remember, John, when you preached the sermon that when you retire, you shouldn't buy a Winnebago and vacation the rest of your life away. You should find some ministry to serve. Yes, I remember that. Well, they came and heard that sermon, and they had just bought a Winnebago. <laughs> and this person said, and you know what they did? They sold the Winnebago, and now they have a Christian tract ministry where they hand out Christian pamphlets. I'm not saying it's wrong to retire or to buy a Winnebago, but I am saying this. You're still, I, you know, the, the, other, the other sermon illustration I remember from John Piper. He talked about these Christians who retire, move to Florida, and do nothing for the rest of their lives except for walk the beach and collect seashells. And he said, what are they going to do on Judgment Day? Are they going to hold them up and say, aren't these beautiful seashells, Lord? In other words, what a waste of life. And again, I'm not saying anything's wrong with going to Florida. I'd love to go myself, but I would find some ministry to do. We're on earth breathing for the glory of God. We're here to serve the glory of God. So find something to do in your retirement to serve the Lord, like you're doing and like Joel and everybody else is doing. Okay, we were talking before about St. Patrick and we talked about St. Peter. How, do all, how did all these people get the title saint? Mm -hmm. is, was that the Catholic Church that Again, declared yeah, them saints? The biblical view is every Christian is a saint. You're a saint, you're St. Jackie, I'm St. Thomas. Catholic Church have a bit of a spin on it in that they officially make you a saint if, I think, if a miracle is, is found. Uh, so it's a little bit of a different definition. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Pastor Tom, we've got one minute left, mm -hmm. and we'd like to update our sure. audience on television here today to tell you a little bit about what's been happening. And I'm going to let Tom do that because we are now expanded and you may have some friends that you'll be able yeah. to share this yep. with. And if, if you want to see our show anytime, you go to pastorstudy.org. You can watch all of our TV shows for, for free. So uh, go to pastorstudy.org. It's got our statement of faith, what we believe. Also, uh, we're on all over the country now on DirecTV and Dish Network. We're on in various cities on regular TV. And, and so pray for us, if you would. I'm rather happily amazed that I'm not in Florida right now. I'm still in Minnesota because the money's been coming in for us to do this national ministry. I praise God for that. If God will nudge you to help us expand our TV show, if you believe in our message, go to pastorstudy.org or you'll see an, an address here in a minute and you can uh, give whatever support the Lord nudges you. But anyway, God bless and we'll see you next week. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.